Well, it's so good to have you in church tonight. And um, I wasn't planning on this message to essentially be in the Free Indeed series, but as I was going through it, uh, because of the, I guess, the, the, the thought patterns that I've been thinking on over the last little while, it's, it's just jumped right in there. Uh, and so... Um, if you've been following the Robert Morris series, uh, Free Indeed, uh, it is very much the same, but this one is probably not in there, but we're just going to add it in there. And uh, so I'm believing tonight that God's going to move in your life and, and even in my life. In fact, I know what I'm preaching and I'm already ready to run to the older. Uh, and because and I need Jesus to do as much stuff in my life. Uh, and. Uh, and, and so I'm believing tonight for God to move. We, we never want to just turn up to church just to sit back, relax, sing some songs, uh, bring our tithes, bring our offerings in the storehouse, um, give some people a high five every now and then, uh, sneak a coffee or a chocolate bar because you've filled out the welcome to church thing now five or eight times. Um, and then we sit back in the in the in the in the in the preaching time. We 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 get up to date on on who has just liked my last post on Facebook or my last uh, you know. Now we start Snapchatting across the room or whatever. Um, no, I'm believing tonight that we're in, we're I'm with a group of people that are hungry about God and and and, and are passionate about God doing stuff in their life. Um, Tonight, uh, I think I'm believing that tonight God's going to minister to you and to me. And I know we've prayed, but Lord, help. Lord, help. Uh, I really do pray that tonight. If you've got your Bibles, I pray you've got your Bible. This is a good-looking Bible right there. It's, it's a Bible. I've had to put a little bit of duct tape on. Um, and so it's, it's, it's lasting me a little bit longer. But grab your Bible. Um, we've, we've chosen now just the leadership, and I've started. I've, I've actually talked to. Sorry, Andrew's just did his last Snapchat. It's fine. So, sorry. I understand because you've got to get that last one out, and then you're going to turn it off. So, no, I don't know. But uh, I, I'm just saying to all our leadership now, bring your Bible. Bring your Bible. I don't mind glowing ones. I've got a glowing one. It's there and I, on my phone and all that. But it's just something about my Bible. This is my Bible. You don't have this Bible. This Bible was the Bible that God, I found on a shelf and um, in a little Christian bookstore in Masterton. And, uh, and, and, and I found it because someone had stolen my other Bible. I'm like... I'm like, if there's any case where your Bible goes missing, you actually want it to be stolen, don't you? Because hopefully the people who stole it read it. Uh, anyway, but uh, I've got my Bible, and and uh, I'm, and I, I mean, in my Bible, it's 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 not that worn out, uh, but it's got some scriptures underlined, and it's got some marks there. And I've got some little bits written up the side because that's when God talked to me about this, and. And uh, and a spin over this one here. Is, I must have been really excited because it just is all through the words. Or maybe I didn't agree and I was just cr crossing out that scripture. Uh, I don't know. But um, I probably didn't. I probably did agree. But uh, I was just excited. This uh, and so um, what am I? What I'm trying to say is, get a Bible. Get a Bible. I know you can have glowing ones and you can highlight. 
and all that, but there's just something about your own Bible that just speaks to you. And so uh, over the next little while, I'm challenging all our leaders to bring their Bibles. Oh, look, that's even got a, a little poster in there stuck. Hmm, sometime the enemy keeps coming back and you, but God is slowing him down. Oh, that's cool, yeah. yeah. All right. Anyway, all right. I want you to grab your Bible, and I'm not going to do, it's not a big task to get to the first scripture. The first scripture is in Genesis. All right, so Genesis chapter 4, early on in the piece, if you've just got yourself a Bible, Genesis is the first book in the Bible, and uh, then there's heaps more, and that's, yeah, I'm not going to talk about that at the moment, it's all right. Um, Genesis chapter 4, and this is about Cain and Abel, there's there's two, two brothers, and so let's read it. It'll come up on the screen. Thank you, team at the back. I worked hard this afternoon because I've got hundreds of scriptures. It says this, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, uh, she said, With the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Does every guy want his mum to say that when they're born? <laughs> the Lord's help, I've produced a man. I don't know. Maybe it's just, just me. I don't know. Uh, I've had a few coffees. right? Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel's and his, and Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, 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 and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you do, if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. In this Free Indeed series, we're, we're really pushing into different areas, different topics, different subjects, but we're not naming any. We're really letting the Holy Spirit do a work in yours and my life as the Holy Spirit chooses. But we've got to understand that as the Holy Spirit comes into our life and brings a little bit of a, a nudge, right? Who's ever had a Holy Spirit nudge? You're like, oh, sometimes they're a little bit harder the second time round because we don't obey the first time. But really, this, this, is, this, this message tonight is about getting to the point where we can understand this, quest, this, this last scripture, which is, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at your door. This annoys the heck out of me. I'm like, God, when can I lie on a beach and there be no pressure? Right? I don't know about you, but as, as a Christian, sometimes I would just like to chill out and relax. I would just like to be like there to be... Thousands of dollars in my bank account. 
I would, I would like to be so secure. I'm not worried about what anyone says about me. I want to I be able to just speak to that person at the gym and say, Jesus, and they become a Christian right there. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Rather than having to lead them through the whole thing. Yeah, you know, sin came into the world, Adam and Eve, fruit, uh-uh. and, 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 and get to the point where we're like, oh, but, but we live this life as a Christian and there's just pressure. Pastor Desiree talked about it this morning, about this external pressure. And it says in the scripture, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. I like the fact that that bit of scripture is there. You must subdue it and be its master. Because if it says that, guess what? It means you can be it. If it says that you can subdue sin and be its master, then you can. And no longer have you got to worry about, oh, I mean, and we'll get onto it later, but no longer do we have to sit there all the time just consistently throwing that left jab out all the time. Get away. Get away. Just throwing that left jab out at the devil and just keeping him at arm's bay and, and pushing him off all the time. I think sometimes that's a, it's not a bad strategy, but in the end, you just sometimes you get tired. And, and, but we've got to know that at any given moment in our life. Do you know what the left jab is for? It's for setting up the right. I like boxing. I've never boxed against anyone, and I don't want to box against anyone because they box back, but boxing bags don't. It's like you just bang, bang. It's great. But every time in my training, and I'm not training as a boxer, by the way, I just going to the gym. Yeah, but going to the gym, it's always there for the right. Bang. It's always there for bang. And, and I really believe tonight, God wants to say, come on, keep the jab, but get ready for the Hail Mary. Come on, who wants an uppercut? Not for, who wants to give the devil an uppercut? Come on, you can be its master tonight. But what? What leads us to a point? What leads us to a place of confidence? What leads us to a place where we know that we can just continue to push back? We can continue to throw that jab out? And what leads us to a place where we know we can put that weight on the front foot and follow through with a right? I think this is the answer. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. All these scriptures will come up. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. I said this at the start, and I made a joke of it, but the Holy Spirit revealed something to me straight away. With the Lord's help, I produced a man. Cain was described as a man. Not as a murderer. With the Lord's help, your mother produced you. And he produced a man or he produced a woman. Not the things that people start labeling us as because of our response to certain pressures and situations. 
I want to say when it comes to knowing authority and knowing the grace of God in your life, it comes down to the fear of the Lord as the fountain of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Does the, does the fear of the Lord stir you up in your heart? See, Cain, Cain knew what he was supposed to do. Cain knew that he was supposed to bring an offering of the first, an offering of the best. But he decided not to. Why? I believe because there was no fear of God. Now, this is not the trembling fear of God. This is the fear of God, which is all reverent, all knowing. He's all powerful. It's like, wow, God, it's the love of God that he would send his son to die on the cross for us. It's the love of God that goes, you know what? How could I be so rude? Not to receive that grace and that love and that mercy from God. How could I just reject it like that? How could I just do this and that sometimes? But we do it. Why? Because sin is crouching at our door ready to subdue us. I reckon it's time that we get that left jab up and we get strength in our left jab. But any time the devil comes against us, we know how to go bam with the right. Who's ready to do boxing tonight? All right, it keeps on going. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. We whip through, through these ones quickly. It says, The fear of the Lord is the fountain of wisdom, knowledge. Did we just do that one? But, oh no, slightly different. Uh, oh, the Holy One results in good judgment. Who's made decisions in their life that just, oh, that was bad judgment? Oh, man, I do it all the time. All the time. Come on, it leads to good judgment. Proverbs 10, verse 27. The fear of the Lord lengthens one's life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. The fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. Uh, Proverbs 15, verse 33. The fear of the Lord teaches wisdom, humility, uh, and precedes honor. Teaches wisdom and humility, and it proceeds on. Proverbs 19, verse 23, The fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. The true humility of Proverbs 22, 4, is true humility and the fear of the Lord leads to riches, honor, and a long life. Man, there's some good words in there. There's some good descriptions of life and, and life to its fullness. You know, a life-giving fountain. It brings wisdom, it's humility, precedes honor, it leads to life, it brings security, protection. I like the last, this last one, it leads to riches. Oh, come on, I know you all want to be rich. But maybe it's not just talking about wealth, but it's talking about the richness of life, of how the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us. It brings honor and a long life. So number one, for a left jab to keep us strong in what God wants us to do in our life is this. The fear of God leads to. If we want to be free indeed, we've got to get to a point where we know what the fear of God is in our life. We've got to get to a point where we go, you know what? Sin's crouching at my door, ready to consume me. But I want to get to a place where I know the fear of God. I know those things that if I just do what is right in God, 
I can put my foundation and strength in Him because I want to honour Him with my life. I want to give Him all of my life. I want to use my life for Him because of what Jesus has done for me. And it comes by a conviction of the Holy Spirit that is in our life. The fear of the Lord leads to, and you can fill it out. You can put whatever you want in there right now. Because I really believe that if we want to be free indeed, it's understanding and having the fear of the Lord in our life so much that there's this honor to God that I would not even think about not bringing the first or best offering to God. Because that's the very thing that led Cain into a space where it's like, oh, no, I'll just give him my loose change today. Or I'll just give him that, you know, oh, those, oh, those vegetables are a little bit rotten. Or I, I, I can't remember whether he was the veggie man or the, or the farmer man, but he's the veggie man. Yeah. Vegetarians. <laughs> but there's a point in our lives where we, where we have to acknowledge God. Where we go, you know what? The fear of the Lord is actually the very thing that is going to hold us to doing what is right. It says making good decisions. Man, I wish I had the fear of the Lord in my spirit when I was a teenager. I wish I did, because I should be dead. I don't have a dramatic car crash story, but I know I've been dro- I, I drove stupidly. I know at one point in my life, me and a mate went to McDonald's driving, and we were mucking around, and we were under the influence of drugs and alcohol. We came around a corner. We didn't quite take it right, but we slowed down and just like slowly hit the, hit the curb. And we thought it was so funny. We fell out onto the road laughing and, and choking on our McDonald's. And cars coming around the, sto- around the corner. Like it sounds funny because I was there. It's funny if you're a teenager because that, that's just funny. But as an adult now, I've been to the roadside at an accident where I've held a 17-year-old's head back so she could breathe because she got into a car with two people who were under the influence of drugs and alcohol and crashed at high levels. And she passed away that night. See, the fear of the Lord leads us to a place where we make right decisions in God. The fear of God leads to... What in your life? See, everyone has a reputation. If I was to pair you up at the moment and say, hey, pair up and, and just ask the other person, say, hey, what do people say about me? Who would be keen for that? Some of us would be. Some of us wouldn't be. Maybe go and talk to that person who you've just had a disagreement with. And get their opinion. Everyone gets given, uh, 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 everyone has a personality. You know, I, I know that, you know, some people, if you talk to, you know, let's pick on Roy tonight. Roy's a, Roy's a Roy, I know I can pick on Roy because Roy's secure. He knows that. He's like, you can pretty much say whatever you want and I'm not going to get hurt. I'm like, really? That's amazing. Like, no, but there's not a lot, you know, we don't actually need to pick on Roy. But if we said, 
come on, describe Roy's personality. We'd all be able to uh, pretty much, in one way or another, if you've known him for a little while, be able to destroy, uh, des- describe him. <laughs> destroy him. Describe, describe, my friend, describe. <laughs> He's a kind guy. He undoubtedly loves his wife. He talks a little bit slower than the average person. (laughs) Everyone knows this. He calculates every word because he wants to honor everything he says about someone or to someone. That's what I know about him. Uh, Everyone has a personality. See, we've got to have the fear of God in our life. And it's a reverent fear of God, but... I wonder if I asked you, what would, what, how would you describe Jesus? Because how you describe him is how you perceive him. And, and the way that you perceive him is going to be the way that you receive him. Someone must have written this as a message before. I'm like, I'm making this up on the spot. It's not in my notes. But... How we, what did I say? That sounded good. Can Put it up on the screen. How we receive, perceive, receive. Yeah. See, I should have written it down. But what happens is how, how do we write down what we believe about God? Because that's really the ultimate way how we will perceive him and then how we will receive him. The problem is some of us write down the wrong description of Jesus. And so then we'll receive him, we'll perceive him wrong, and then we'll receive him wrong. Let's go to Second Corinthians. Now, thank you, team, for putting this all up on the screen, but we'll cut it short. There's a lot. Um... Go to verses 16, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. It says this. I actually rewind to 14. Either way, Christ's love, con- loves, love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his life will will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human uh, point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely as a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. Rewinding back to verses 16, it said So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How do you perceive Jesus? The people in his own town 
said, oh, that's just Jesus. That's Joseph's son. The Bible says that there was no honor there. And so he left with only doing few miracles. He, only, he left with only doing a few miracles. Why? Because there was no honor. Do we honor God? If you want to be free indeed, you've got to come to a place where we honor God. Honor God with our lives. Honor come to a place where we're like, man, I got my left out, but there's a few right hands coming back at me because I'm opening the door to sin. Oh, I'm not doing what is right. I'm making dumb decisions. But it says be careful because sin is crouching out our door. I want to say tonight, come on, let's let God love us, but let's let let's let ourselves love God in the way that we should be honoring God with our lives. He's not just merely a human. He was the Son of God, God incarnate as man. Yes, man, but still God. And He chose to give His life to take your sin and my sin away. And there's a battle going on that only He has won because there's no other name than Jesus. Number two. I talked about this before. What is your perception of who Jesus is? The Lord number two is the Lord is my dot dot dot. I wonder if I could get you to maybe you don't have this or whatever, but if I was to say grab your notebook or grab your iPad or phone or tablet, whatever you've got, and 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 swipe to a clear page or get a clear page of your notebook and write, the Lord is my what? And you start writing down words. You start writing down words, and 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 you start writing down words. You're like, Pastor Will, I've run out of words. Because the reality is, is some of us will run out of words on the first line. And that's not a bad thing. But I want to say He wants to reveal Himself to you so much more. He wants to get the Word of God into your life so that you can go, you know what, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It will go on and on and on. In fact, grab your Bibles real quick. Turn to Psalm 23. I don't hear urgent flickering or flickering of pages. I hear buttons being pushed. It's all good. But let's go. Psalm 23. It says this. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. Oh, let's flick across just real quickly. To Psalm 25, let's see verse 8. Oh, the Lord is good and does what is right. He, he shows the proper path to those who go astray. Oh, let's, let's flick to verse uh, Psalm 27. Oh, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? I wonder if we could get a page in our life that we just go, I want to describe Jesus. I want to write down who He is to me. I want to write down the very things that when I wind up my little right hand and the devil comes at me, I can just throw that jab. I can throw that punch and I say, no, this is what God is to me. It's the very Word of God that Jesus used when He went into the desert and was tempted by the devil. He said, no, the Scriptures declare. 
In fact, I was so encouraged the other day in, in our staff meeting, Pastor Aileen, I was talking to her and, she, and I just said, what's your declaration around this? And she goes, oh, hold on a second. Out she gets her, her device and, uh, and whips it up and she's got pages of Scripture that she's written down. This is what I pray and this is what I declare over my life every day. I'm like, man, what would happen if we get to a point where we start declaring the Word of God over our lives and when stuff comes in to try and crouch in, waiting ready at our door, and we start winding up the Word of God, ready for that Hail Mary. Hail Mary. Mary's cool, but we're not Catholics, right? There's nothing wrong with Mary. It's Mother's Day. We need to honor Mary. All right. Number two, the Lord is my. Fill it in. I want you to fill it in. All right. All right, worship team, if you wouldn't mind jumping back up, that'd be great. I got a bit more to go, but we'll get there. Come, the Lord is my life. He's my everything. He's my provider. He's my strength. He's my savior. He's my best friend. He's my rock. He's my everlasting shepherd. He's my refuge. He's my leader. He's my inheritance. He's my grace. He's my light. He's my father. He's my peace. He's my lighthouse. He's my defender. He's my rock. What could you write down about Jesus? Because he wants to be those things to you. But how you perceive him is how you're going to receive him. Ephesians chapter 6, and this is where a tablet's handy because I was reading out of the New Living Translation. Now we're going to the message and just carrying around every translation of the Bible in your bag. is It's a little bit awkward. But Ephesians 6 says this, from verses 10 onwards. About that, and about, sorry, and that about wraps it up. God is strong, and He wants you strong. God wants you strong. So take everything the Master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best material, and put them to use so that you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws at, throws your way. There is no afternoon athletic, this is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about. In a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over, but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth. Righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. If you want to be free indeed, we've got to learn how to apply the grace of God, the Word of God into our life. You'll need them throughout your life. God's Word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirit up so that no one falls behind or drops out.
The Lord is my what? He's my provider. He's strengthened us. He's given us the ability to stand on the Word of God. But if you want to be free indeed, you've got to make some choices on whether we're going to let the fear of the Lord control our lives. We can live our own life. We can do our own thing. We can blame immaturity. We can do what? I know I've been, I was a young person, still am a young person. I know what it is to be a youth and love Jesus, but also be an idiot and make stupid decisions. I know what you're going through, but I want to say stand on the fear of the Lord. Stand on the Word of God. He's given you every weapon that you need. I want to say, come on, believe it. Believe it. I'm going to finish with John chapter 6. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. I have told you this explicitly because even though you have seen me in action, you don't really believe me. Often Jesus talked about how the disciples, he's like, when are you going to get it? I want to say, take some pressure off. If the disciples didn't get it and they were living with Jesus, why don't you give yourself a break? But why don't you relax into Jesus? It says this, Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me. And once that person is with me, I hold on and don't let go. These are the words of Jesus. If we just come running to Jesus, He says, eventually they're all going to come. And when I get you, I hold on and I don't let go. This is Jesus. He loves you so much. Since I came down from heaven not to follow my own whim, but to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. Jesus loves you. He's ready with his arms open, saying, Man, once I get you, once I get you, I'm not going to let you go. John chapter 20. It says, early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. She ran at once to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the one Jesus loved. Breathless and panting, they took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciple left immediately for the tomb. They ran neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. Stooping to look in, he saw the pieces of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived after him, entered the tomb. You know, in life we grow up, doesn't matter what age we're at. And sometimes we go, man... How come that person's got it figured out? Well, can I tell you, they're just good at hiding what they haven't got figured out. But in life, it's like a race. And we always compare. 
and we look across, you know, in this, there's, there's Peter and John. John wrote this. John wrote this. And they were racing to the tomb. You know, what I've found is that God speaks to me and God speaks to a room. And they're like, there's sort of what becomes like a race. A race to Jesus. And we were like, the, the, the preacher or whoever says, come on. If you want to give your whole life to Jesus, I want you to stand up and run to the front and stretch your arms out wide. And it becomes a race. Who's, who's ready to race? And quickly we look around. Who's going to run with me? I, I know I did that as a young person. I was like, I'm not going until someone else moves first. But then the competitive nature in me is like, I'll run and I'll beat you down the front. But here's the thing is, some commentaries will say, you know, the love that John had for Jesus sped his legs up. And there's like the passion and the desire just to get to Jesus because they had this bond made John run the fastest. Some commentaries will say that, that Peter, you know, he was just out there for a jog because in the background of his head it was playing, uh, you know, by the time you, uh, the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. So like Peter's there, yeah, I'll get there, John. It's all right. Oh, I'm not sure if I really want to see Jesus at the moment. It doesn't matter what circumstance, what situation of life, what even ways that we've responded to Jesus in the past. What matters is that when Jesus says this, and once that person is with me, I'll hold on and I won't let go. I won't let go. Jesus won't let go of you. Jesus won't let go of you. Whether you feel like you've disappointed him, maybe that's what Peter was feeling like. I don't know. But here's the thing is Peter got there and he went in. If you want to be free indeed in your life, you've got to get to Jesus. But you've got to step all in. You've got to step all in. Why don't we-